Hey, Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Hey, Husker fans, welcome back to the Husker Big Red YouTube channel. I'm Chris Peterson, and with me, as always, is my co-host, uh, Danny Gillette. And uh, we're here on Monday morning to talk some more Nebraska football. We got some more news over the weekend, uh, some good and potentially some bad news, and then, uh, you know, some uh, scrimmages from Nebraska football. So um, lots to cover. But, uh, Danny, how are you doing uh, this morning, this Monday morning? I like the good news. I don't like the bad news. I'd like to start with the bad news today just to get it out of the way. But other than that, I mean, like I always say, we're getting closer to the opener, so which should look interesting given uh, light of this uh, recent news that we're going to talk about here soon. But either way, I'm still excited. It's football, man. Football's almost back in full. So. And yeah, I guess to think there's probably nothing really, I guess, newsworthy that you would call good news. Just the fact Nebraska, we're getting closer to the season. Uh, the team was back on the field. Um, some guys, you know, like Malachi Coleman was back out there. So some positive um, injury updates. But, you know, the one big news item of the weekend, of course, uh, Xavier Betts, um, former in-state recruit uh, who, you know, didn't play for Nebraska in 2022, decided to come back. You know, after entering the transfer portal, um, he did indeed quit the team. Matt Rule confirmed that on Saturday. Um, he just said that his heart wasn't in it. Um, he had also been missing some practice due to injury. So who knows exactly, you know, what's gone into it. But uh, the fact is that Xavier Betts won't be part of this team. I mean, when I did my depth chart projection, you know, a week or two ago, he was in the starting lineup. So um, however you want to, whatever your thoughts are on, you know, him quitting the team, um, looking ahead, you know, how does this impact, you know, the depth chart and, uh, uh, you know, the Huskers in 2023. First off, no ill will towards him on my end. I'd rather him quit now before the season starts. And I'm kind of happy that he recognized that he just wasn't in it rather than wait an entire, or not even an entire season, but half the season and uh, kind of just give half effort. So, I mean, I think this impacts the depth chart greatly at the wide receiver position. You know, it kind of is bad timing in the sense that we have so many wide receivers banged up i'm not saying that they're not going to get healthy before minnesota for example but i mean the wide receiver depth chart is already looking pretty thin um you know i'm curious to see who's going to step up i mean isaiah garcia castaneda might be a guy we might actually see some of these freshmen take on a bigger role than anticipated and um it's going to be development on the fly for them so i mean People ask, and I said this Saturday, people ask why recruit 75,000 wide receivers? Why do we need so many wide receivers? Blah, blah, blah. This is exactly why. Because a couple banged up players and a departure here, and you're already down, you know, for example, three wide receivers. This is why you recruit so many wide receivers. Because although, you know, it's easy to get a surplus at the position, you almost need it in some cases due to, you know, circumstances like these. Yeah, regardless, um, it is this is going to have a big impact, you know, on the depth chart. You know, Billy Kemp is obviously, you know, still going to be kind of the number one guy. And he was going into the season. But, you know, he's not a big receiver and he doesn't you know, he doesn't have the uh, the speed, I guess, downfield that, um, 
you know, that you're going to get out of Xavier Betts. So, I mean, that there's definitely, you know, some losses there. Um, and just, you know, if you look at proven guys, I mean, the fact that Marcus Washington has been, you know, struggling to stay healthy, um, you know, he's a, he's probably the best deep threat on the roster right now. Um, so Garcia Castaneda is going to have to step up, hopefully Josh Fleeks. I mean, those are really the only four experienced receivers that Nebraska has right now and really only, you know, I mean, Garcia Castaneda was, he had a thousand yard season at New Mexico State or wherever he was at before um, he transferred to Nebraska. So I do think that he, you know, can play a bigger role this season. But yeah, Malachi Coleman and Jaden Doss, um, those guys are going to have to step up. Uh, I, I saw that Malachi had a catch in the gate in the scrimmage on Saturday, which was good. Um, so he's, you know, getting back healthy, but it is a big jump to the Big Ten and you know, Nebraska having to rely on, you know, some of these receivers to these freshmen potentially to step up when, you know, Matt Rule kind of has been dismissive about their, you know, their ability to make an impact this season. He hasn't really, you know, he's pretty much made it out like, well, you know, we'll see what they can do. But he hasn't really said anything that gives me a whole lot of confidence that these guys are going to go out and, you know, be uh, make a huge contribution early in their careers. Well, it's a, well, it's a press conference. They're not going to say anything because they know just as well as, you know, the players know that if they say something, you know, fans are going to freak out when they don't have three 1,000-yard wide receivers and we're going to be sitting here talking about it, you know, ha- have they lived up to expectations? I mean, coaches are generally pretty guarded in the press conference, so I'm not expecting them to, you know, say anything crazy or set, you know, expectations for their players through the media. and. You know, I think that people are going to have to step up. I mean, Malachi Coleman, I saw a picture of him, I believe it was yesterday from the scrimmage on Saturday, and he looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. He looks like, you know, looks like a big wide receiver, looks like a stronger wide receiver. And, you know, I think uh, Matt Rule mentioned, you know, Bryce Turner as the fastest guy on the team. So where does he fit in here? Does he get snaps too? Like, I mean, now, you know, these guys that want playing time, now's your opportunity to show it and earn it. But, I mean, I think it's also fair to suggest that this increases the role for the running backs as well. I mean, I feel like if you're not going to be able to get at least consistent production early on from the wide receivers as, you know, some of these guys kind of step in and learn – then that puts you know pressure on the running backs as well, and I think we have the horses to do it. But again, it's all about the offensive line. Quite frankly, in both cases, uh, passing and running. Yeah, the running game is going to be key. You know, Emmett Johnson had some nice plays over the weekend. Um, he looked good. You know, Anthony Grant, Gabe Urban, Ramirez Johnson. So I think all four of those guys are going to you know get attempts. And Emmett Johnson, he's even been talked about. You know, as as a potential receiver, which to me is another indication that these freshmen. I mean, Matt Rule. I, I get what you're saying, but you know, the he hasn't been shy about talking about Eric Fields. So um, you know, if if these guys were really standing out, I think that he would say it. You know, I think there's a reason why he hasn't at this point. Malachi Coleman, I do think has a chance to you know do some things just being physically gifted but it does seem like you know he he coach really even mentioned the the offense is behind the defense i just think that that part of that has to do with all the moving parts at receiver um trying so i I do think that we're going to see you know a lot of uh running the football and a pretty conservative uh pretty conservative offense for nebraska just you know i think it's going to be a grounded pound and you know um you know relying on the defense trying to win the turnover battle um you know being good on special teams you know just all the little all the things nebraska hasn't been the past few years and um you know he he mentioned it in his press conference but turnover margin nebraska hasn't had a positive turnover margin as a team since 2016 that's why we lost all these games 
You can't, if you look at one stat that predicts winning and losing in football, it's turnovers. You, you can throw everything else out the window. Basically, you know, third downs, whatever, sacks, rushing yardage, all that stuff. Like all those stats are essentially meaningless. The one stat that predicts winning and losing more than anything in football is turnovers. And if Nebraska can improve in that area, then they're going to get to a bowl game. If not, then they won't. It's pretty much that simple. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying as well. And I do think that this defense is a little bit ahead of the offense. Uh, you know, like we talked about Eric Fields on Saturday as well. I feel like, you know, there's going to be a, more freshmen on that side of the football that will be able to contribute um, and be ready to contribute. I think, you know, we're going to have to develop at wide receiver and I think we're going to see it in real time and it might be a painful process initially, but that's something you have to go through. And quite frankly, um, you know, the best programs, I'm not saying they start, you know, freshman wide receiver all the time, or they don't go with their, you know, upperclassmen, but their freshmen are ready to play. I mean, you look at some of the depth that these bigger programs have, and I'm not saying we're going to be like Ohio state or Alabama, but it always seems like their freshmen are ready to play. They understand, you know, um, what's happening in given game situations and, you know, they make an impact. And I think for Nebraska, you know, they're going to have to rely on these freshmen quite a bit in order to, um, you know, kind of, I'm not going to say tread water, but to make things work on offense and, I don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, you know, so far we've seen the injuries and we're not even sure exactly what the offense is going to look like yet, but it just, it it's putting Nebraska in a position that is not favorable to them at this time. Now ask me this again, you know, a month from now and we might see things a little bit differently. Who knows? I mean, this is, this is a first year for everybody. So let's see if the pieces can come together if uh well if, if marcus washington can be healthy i think they'll be fine you know um garcia castaneda you know i think he can do some good things he had some moments in the spring game so um really if, if you can get those three guys along with billy camp to be healthy like i think i think nebraska will be fine fedoni is going to be really good um but if, they just, not, if he can stay healthy through the entire season yeah, the thing is, Nebraska just has zero depth now. You have no depth at what because if, you, if one receiver gets hurt, one more receiver gets hurt, then you're starting a freshman because you have nobody else basically. Um, so that's not a that's not a position that you want to be in, and it's nothing against these freshmen. I've always said that Malachi Coleman will contribute this season. I do think that he will, um, but. I think that his contributions are going to, you know, I think he's going to catch probably between like 15 or 20 passes. You know what I mean? Like he, he's still going to have to learn route running. And so he's going to make some plays. And I think Nebraska should take some deep shots to him just based on his physical ability, but it's going to take some time to, especially receivers, a tough position to learn. It's not, it's not like running back or line, you know, running back there. Like, here's the ball, you know, go run. I mean, it's not, it's not that simple, but it really is kind of that simple when you're talking about just running plays and not pass protection and all that type of stuff, you know, receiving a receiver is a, is a complicated position. And that's why, I mean, you do see guys make impacts, but a lot of them it's, it, it is really where the, you know, the, the coaching staff's not making it hard for them. You know, they're, they're really letting them run, you know, simple routes and things like that. And so we'll see what happens with uh, Malachi Coleman. I think he, him and Jaden Doss have the best chance to contribute the season. That doesn't mean that Bryce Turner and Jalen Lloyd, those other guys can't, but uh, those are the two guys that I would be looking for. And, um, 
yeah, just to me, I, I don't think that we're going to see, you know, a ton of like four wide receiver, you know, I mean, we'll probably will see some spread sets, you know, with Fedoni out there and, you know, in the slot and some different things like that. Emmett Johnson, Ramir Johnson. Um, but yeah, wide receiver was a big question mark before uh, Xavier Betts quit. And now it's an even bigger question mark with basically no, no proven depth on the roster at all. And, and beyond that too, another thing, is that, you know, none of these guys have played together. Jeff Sims has not played with any of these guys, you know, in an actual game situation. So that's another thing that you have to kind of worry about is, is the quarterback and the receivers kind of getting that connection down. I do think that him and Billy Sims have that, but it's still different when it's, you know, live bullets flying. Billy Kemp, you mean? Yeah, Billy Kemp, yeah. <laughs> Billy Sims, I believe. Didn't, didn't Billy Sims play for Oklahoma back in the day? Yeah, he did, yeah. But anyway, uh, no, no, I just had to make sure really quick because if we had Billy Sims, we might be better off. But um, no, you know, I think that ultimately this Matt Rule era is going to be a process. It's going to be a rebuilding process. Do I think they can win now? Yeah. What, you know, how many games will they win? You know, I don't know. But if you look at this from a, you know, kind of broad point of view, they have help coming next year. I mean, Hall, McMorris, Carter, and Nelson, you know, uh, assuming that things go well or reasonably well this season to where they don't commit. You never know in college football these days. So they have help coming at the wide receiver position. I mean, Kemp will be gone next year. Marcus Washington will be gone next year. Josh Sleets will be gone next year. So I feel like in a way, you know, Nebraska would have had to kind of rely on freshmen a lot next year anyway. and in that respect, it might be better that, you know, guys like Malachi, possibly Lloyd, Doss, Bryce Turner, even if they play a little bit, it might be better that they get some experience now so they can help continue the depth of the position when, you know, we have a big um, freshman wide receiver class again next year. Yeah, I think they, it will be interesting. This, this experience will be, you know, great for all those guys. And, um, like we'll see, you know, I've always said this, the pass offense I thought this year was going to be, you know, surrounded by essentially Billy Kemp, Thomas Fedoni, and then, you know, Betts, Marcus Washington. So I think that just, I think that kind of clears it up a little bit in the sense that, you know, I think there was going to be some competition between like Washington and Betts. But look, I, I still think that Garcia Castaneda can be that, you know, number three guy as long as Washington can stay healthy. I mean, he had almost 500 yards last season. So he just has to get healthy and they've got to get him on the field for that Minnesota game. And and then just keep Fedoni out there because I firmly believe that if he can stay healthy, he's going to be one of the elite playmakers at the tight end position this year. And that, that'll really help Nebraska. Um, Hopefully Garcia Castaneda put all his ill will from last year behind him because his father was extremely loud about being mad about the program. And now what do you know? <laughs> Garcia Castaneda's back in the program. And, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's the other thing too. We're going to be relying on a guy who entered the transfer portal last year, found nobody to, want to take him or that suited him and now he's back at nebraska so i don't i mean i don't know it's going to be interesting and just really quick another thing um and then we'll get to the scrimmage because this kind of ties into it how vocal matt rule was about ari gilbert not getting a waiver i mean you usually see him pretty reserved passionate but reserved but he was kind of po'd about the waiver thing and i honestly do not blame him at all yeah, it's just we we don't know what's like I said. It, it all comes down to, you know, if Arik Gilbert has the 
the documentation to say that he had a, a true mental condition or whatever. I mean, people have said it's well documented or whatever. And if that's the case, then it should be approved. So, I mean, I, I the NCAA is a piece of crap organization. There's no way, there's no nice to say it. It's garbage from the top down. Um, so I wouldn't, I, I don't expect them to do the right thing. Um, I've been pessimistic about Arie Gilbert. I understand why Matt Rule's pissed off and he should be. I think everybody should be pissed at the NCAA because it's, they, they're garbage. They need to just stop. They can just get out of major college football altogether. Which means you talk about players that can build off the you know experience that they had last year. Nate Borkacher, you know, had some sizable roles in games last year. Yes, he struggled with drops, but we'll see how much that experience plays out on the field if Nebraska needs to use him. And I think they will because I think they want to do a two tight end set in some cases. So. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of impact he makes along with Fedoni. Because if he can provide just even, you know, you know, solid off, uh, solid tight end play, then I think Nebraska will be in good shape uh, with Fedoni and Borkacher. Because quite frankly, if you have one good tight end, you just need the other tight end to be serviceable. Yeah, Borkacher, um, I think is going to play a lot even even if Gilbert is, um, you know, cleared to play. But I mean, either way, it's it's ridiculous at this point to be, you know, two weeks before the season and you don't know if you're going to play. I just, in what there's just no excuse for it. The, the, I mean, all of these waivers that that have been announced, they should have been either granted or not. I mean, it's not like you know, Arik Gilbert transferred to Nebraska in like January. I mean, come on, this is insane. But, you know, it's par for the course with the NCAA. So so that's when know. they put the waiver in. I wasn't sure if they put it in at a later time. Like, maybe. I don't know when they put it in. I just know he transferred. And, you know, he's, he transferred before I think even these new rules got put into place. So, I mean, I, I have no knowledge of what's happened on the background of things. Or, like I said, with <clears throat> it's just the NCAA is being very – they're basically doing everything they can to prevent second-year transfers, essentially, unless you have a true reason. So, I mean – that's what makes me they they uh, either they I don't know if they haven't gotten to it or um you know maybe there's not the documentation of a mental health condition I I have no idea what you know what they would qualify as a mental health condition like do you have to you know go to doctor's appointments I mean do you have to be seeing a th- you know like that's the thing is we can all say like it's well documented but what we don't none of us know what that means so and- and we don't but, know what the NC, we don't know what the NCAA what their guidelines are. You know, anybody can say, oh, you know, I was going through a mental health struggle during the season, and maybe coaches can attest to that or whatever. But that's not a medical, you know. I so I have no idea what what the procedures are for the NCAA, but um, I know that they're being very stringent on their waivers, and it wouldn't surprise me if Arik Gilbert um, was denied. January twentieth was when he came to Nebraska. I just looked it up. And, okay, so let's just take Gilbert's situation, for example. You know, his situation is different from, you know, a lot of the other and uh, transfer waivers that got denied. But January 20th, let's say. But it's they, really it's only different if he has a mental, you know, health, if he has the proper documentation. If not, it's the exact same as the other ones. So that's that's my right. thing is, is people are saying that. But, you know, we, we have no we haven't looked at his application. So we really don't know. But January. It's now August. He could have used, you know, the time between January and now to get proper documentation to do stuff to at least try to, you know, become eligible and not have to wait, you know, for this decision. Like he could have been doing things, you know, to get approval from the NCAA if needed. They they could have let him know in between January and now. I understand that they probably have, you know, a set date because, you know, some players are 
arrive late and things like that, but that's a seven-month gap that he could have been using to get stuff needed by the NCAA if anything was needed or whatever. I mean, that's just a long time that he could have been, you know, doing things, and I'm not blaming it on him. This is the NCAA's fault, in my opinion. I mean, it's just a long time to wait around for, you know, a waiver when he could have been taking the steps necessary to be deemed eligible in the eyes of the NCAA. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I definitely, you know, I think that guys will be – they should be thinking long and hard before transferring a second time because unless you're a graduate, I really just don't think that many of these waivers are going to get granted. I think it's a, a very specific thing. It's not, it's going to be, you know, going to have to meet a certain amount of, you know, documentation or whatever, I'm sure. And uh, so, you know, we'll see. But I guess in some ways that that's good because players really shouldn't be leaving programs, you know um, – you know, willy nilly after the one time, you know, you already get the one time transfer. So, I mean, that, that should be enough to, you know, kind of make your decision. And, and some of these guys going back and forth, to like three, four schools that, that definitely needs to stop. So I think this in the long run, this will help, but yeah, I'm not sure why it's taking so long though. It should be a pretty, to me, it seems like it should be either, you know, you've got the documentation of a mental health issue or you don't. So it should be a pretty, it, there should be no, the way that it's laid out by the NCAA, there should be no thought whatsoever on it. Either you have it or you don't. That's that's how it should be, in my opinion. The system in place is solid. It's the it's the execution by the NCAA, as is with most things, that is messing up and you know well, not good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd have to look too when they made these these changes, but I feel like that these weren't announced like before the transfer, you know, before the transfer portal window. So all these guys went into the transfer portal, you know, expecting that the NCAA was going to grant all these, you know, waivers for second time transfers like they did in the past. And then all of a sudden they changed the rules on everybody, you know, after the fact. And it's like, why wouldn't you do that before you have thousands of players going into the transfer? Like nothing the NCAA does on any level makes any sense. So it's, it's just asinine. And the thing is, a lot of their rules do make sense to some degree. It's just their execution is so, so bad. And I never understood, and it's been that way for decades. I've never understood that with such a big entity in the NCAA, how their execution can be so poor all the time. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, they have, um, yeah, so they did this vote on January 11th. So, you know, the transfer portal, I'm pretty sure, opened what the first like December 1st or something. I mean, it was, yeah. I think it was the day after championship games or it might've been, I can't remember if it's that point, but middle yeah, of December. I remember when I, I remember when we were, you know, searching for a head coach at the time and we were talking about it. We're like, we need to make a head coaching hire quick because the portal opens in December and luckily it all worked out. But I remember the December window coming up pretty quick. So, I mean, I, it, it's just an, it's just really, to me, I feel like a lot of these guys, you know, they just they entered into the transfer portal, picked a destination based on something that was happening previously. And it's just like, why would you why would you change the rules for, you know, transfers after guys have already, trans, you know, like that just doesn't make it doesn't make sense. But, you know, it nothing they do make sense. They put out guidelines to say, oh, you can't do, you know, use NIL as a pay for play. And then it's happening every I mean, you know, like. SEC teams are openly offering quarterbacks millions of dollars to transfer and they don't do anything. So it's really, it's just really annoying. But at any rate, or like um, Bryce, Bryce young, um, getting an absolute bag at Alabama for 
for at the time not even playing a game yet. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, that is that is the new world of college football, and it's only gonna get it's only gonna get more. These guys are only gonna get more money once they you know get shares of the TV deals, which they should get. Um, oh yeah, you know because it's like like CBS and the NCAA, which is one of them. You know because they make a ton of money. The NCAA makes an absolute killing on March Madness, and it's a bunch of guys that aren't getting paid to play. I mean, now they are, but you know it's a whole scam, and so is the NCAA. But at any rate. Um, the scrimmage on Saturday, you know, not that we got a chance to watch it, you know, but we, you know, for, you know, obviously reporting, saw some of the highlights and stuff. And it was good to see the guys, you know, get into Memorial Stadium. Apparently the field goal kicking wasn't good, which wasn't great to hear because that's been an issue. We've talked about that at length. Um, and uh, I don't, it sounded like there was still, you know, some offensive procedural issues. Um, the ball security was mentioned. Um, so, yeah, it seems like the offense still has some work to do, but I've always thought that that if Nebraska was going to win this year, it was going to be because they have a really good defense. So I think there's some encouraging things on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, honestly, offensively, um, I feel like, you know, there's more freedom on defense, I feel like, positionally, and you can do a lot more things with personnel, especially in a three-three-five defensively than I think you can do in terms of, like, an offensive scheme. So. I feel like that kind of works in Nebraska's favor, but I mean, you know, hopefully they clean things up. I mean, it sounds like a, you know, rehash of the frost years, penalties, lack of ball security and things like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, with this coaching staff, I feel like they'll get those issues corrected and, you know, they'll try to, um, they'll try to figure things out and be ready for Minnesota. Cause like you mentioned earlier in the show, um, you know, a lot of these guys have never played with each other. So it's still all about getting timing down and, you know, learning each other's, you know, habits and learning snap counts and things like that. So I'm happy to hear that the defense played well. I mean, it's kind of a carryover from the spring game. You know, they, they played well during the spring game, I thought. And it's good to see, you know, guys really, you know, adapting to this defense well and, you know, from all the media reports and stuff I've read, you know, they seem to like playing in this defense. So that's a plus as well. And, you know, I think defense will probably be the strength of the team this year, if I had to guess. Well, yeah, I just think, I mean, people say eight starters. I, I, mean, I don't think that's, you know, because Miles Farmer is now transferred to Syracuse, which is just another thing to mention uh, now with Travis Fisher um, over there. But yeah, there's a lot of guys, you know, you look at Reimer and Heinrich are returning at linebacker. Ty Robinson is back. Nash uh, Hutchmaker, um, you know, they've got, uh, you know, Blaze Gunnerson, I think is going to be, you know, up in that starting line. Um, Elijah Judy, who transferred over. Um, and then, you know, Quentin Newsom, Malcolm Hartsog, I mean, Omar Brown, Tommy Hill, you know, obviously back, but th- there's just a lot of experienced players on that defense. And then you've added, you know, Chief Borders and and, uh, you know, MJ Sherman. Um, Corey Collier. Yeah, Cordy Collier. I mean, Eric, Fielier, Eric Fields, who is going to play this year, I think, um, yeah. somewhere in that secondary. Isaac Gifford obviously is back after, you know, having a good season. And, um, you know, Jamari Butler, who for a minute there did actually enter the transfer portal and came back to Nebraska, which was – so it'll be interesting to see. I think that those, um, you know – those three guys, uh, Sherman, Borders, and Butler, are really going to have to, you know, come up with the pass rush. And we've talked about this before. I think you're going to see Nebraska in a lot of four-two, uh, basically two-four-five defense. I think you're going to see 
the main alignment they use is like two down defensive linemen. And I'm, I'm sure they'll we'll see some with three, you know, and Gunnarsson out there. But I think the majority of the time, that's my prediction this season, is more than 50% of the time. It's just going to be two, two down linemen and like a couple guys on the edge. And, you know, so more of a more of a two, four, five look. And you see a lot of that. I mean, you see you see teams sometimes with just one defensive lineman anymore, you know, because you just need guys standing up at different positions. And I Nebraska um, I feel like we'll have more versatility, um, and I think that's going to be a really good thing. And I think by the end of the season, Nebraska fans are going to really, really like uh, Tony White. And I think this defense is going to be a top 25 caliber defense, and then that's going to be the biggest reason why this team is playing in the postseason in a bowl game. Ooh, that's a that's a that's a bold take, especially after we just got done absolutely crapping on the offense. But you talk about a lack of depth on offense. We have a ton of options on defense, and you know I think it's going to be a source of strength this year. I think you know there's a lot of different uh, ways that this defense can disguise coverages. I mean, we saw a little bit uh, during the spring game. You know, defense. Um, you know, people rushing the passer. I mean, coverage. People were just attacking. And that's something we didn't see at times last year. And I'm excited to see Princewell, Uma Malin, and Cam Lenhart. I mean, like I mentioned on Saturday, they're working in the weight room and with the nutritionist. And that's important, too, especially when you need stamina in the fourth quarter. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited for this defense. People were kind of upset at the Tony White hire initially. But, you know, for the record, I was a fan of it because, you know, he did some impressive things at Syracuse. And, now we're starting to see his vision come together uh, in Lincoln. Yeah, and he's got some good pieces. And I do, you know, the offense, um, it is a work in progress, but, you know, I think it's going to be, I think it'll be, you know, fine. As long as Jeff Sims is out there, I think that it'll be fine. Yeah, you know, and, and just uh, him and Fedoni, their health is the main issue, trying to keep the offensive line, you know, intact and healthy. You know, that's, that's obviously going to be important. the biggest issue. Because <laughs> well, their play obviously, but you know if you don't if you don't have Jeff Sims and Thomas Fedoni, then it really doesn't matter. You know, you just don't have any playmakers then, honestly, on this yeah. entire offense. So I agree. You Good need those, those those two guys are <clears throat> they're the only two. I mean, and maybe Billy Kemp too, maybe some of the running backs, but they're like the skill guys that are NFL type. So I mean, you know, like Thomas Fedoni is the only guy on this Nebraska team, like on the offense that's like a day two or early pick in the NFL draft that has that potential. So he's got to play like that this year. And you mentioned this last week too, in one of your articles, um, you know, Chubba Purdy is looking better and, you know, having a good backup quarterback is also important in case of emergency. So I'm happy to hear that he's doing better because, you know, he was dealing with injury issues last season. So I feel a little bit better about the depth at the quarterback room. Um, but, you know, having a good number two quarterback is important. And, um, you know, I mean, if you look at Purdy's high school tape, for example, there's definitely talent there. It's just about unlocking it. And I believe that the staff can. And I feel like the fact that he stayed around um, and decided to take a chance with this new coaching staff is very telling as well. So we'll see what they can do with Purdy, um, meaning the coaching staff, and see if they can continue to develop him correctly because I don't think he was, you know, developed correctly at all between the injuries and then just the way Mark Whipple kind of fed him to the Wolves. I mean, if they can get a solid number two quarterback in Purdy and have Sims, then I definitely feel a little bit better about the quarterback room. 
Yeah, you do need to have depth. You need to have more than, you know, one guy. At some point this year, somebody else is going to have to play some snaps. I mean, whether it's for a full game or what, like at some point, somebody besides Jeff Sims is going to play meaningful snaps this year, probably Chubba Purdy. And I do think his development is important, um, you know, especially for him. This is a really, I think, a critical year because, you know, say Jeff Sims plays really well and leaves at Nebraska, you know, then it's going to come down to, you know, Obviously, you know, Daniel Kalen's coming in here, and then it's going to be like, well, is Chubba Purdy good enough, or do we need to go find a veteran in the transfer portal? So this is really a um, an opportunity for him to show the staff that he can be a starting-level player before, you know, kind of they look to the transfer portal next year. Um, so it's a really important for him and Nebraska. Um, you know, the yeah. Heinrich Harburg and his development, I, I still isn't going to surprise me if we see some, you know, running packages with him. I think he's pretty talented runner, and he can – I think he can throw the ball better than he showed in the spring game, obviously. Um, so we'll, it, it is good to have that depth. But really, I mean, Nebraska has three scholarship quarterbacks right now. So that's, you know, going into the season. I mean, again, one injury and, and you're kind of in a world of hurt there. So the, there is a lot of, there's more spots on offense where that's, you know, the case. Like tight end is kind of like that, especially if Gilbert, you know, isn't able, you know, if Gilbert, is gets the waiver then you feel you know then if Fedoni misses a couple games it's like well we got another NFL dude there you know but I've just been this I've just kind of made this assumption that Gilbert's not going to be on the be able to play this year which is really heartbreaking because he basically hasn't played the last two years that's why you know this whole thing is just insane anyways played in three games the last two years like let him freaking play it makes no sense what year is he in school do you know um this would be his, this would be his fourth year in school. So I, don't, I mean, I don't know if academically he's done the work to be up to that you know point. But so um, would he play? Could he potentially play next year if he gets a waiver? <clears throat> oh yeah, for oh yeah, because he's um, he played in twenty uh, twenty, which was the COVID year, so that doesn't count. Um, then the next year he transferred to Georgia and basically redshirted, so that doesn't count. Um, so last year, in terms of eligibility, last year he's a redshirt freshman. So this year he's a redshirt sophomore. Oh, gotcha. So gotcha. yeah, he's gotcha. got plenty of he's got plenty of eligibility left. Um, All right, cool. But I highly doubt he's he's probably he's probably just going to take his chances on the NFL before he, you know, he he could do that next year. Honestly, he might just be sick of the whole process. I mean, I would, which I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be you know the thing is is you're probably you're not going to get drafted. He'd have to go the undrafted route. You know, you're not going to get, I mean, maybe somebody would take a late flyer on you based on all the measurables, but he only played three games last year for Georgia. So, I mean, the crazy even, part is he was on a lot of draft boards, even a couple of years ago as potential draft picks. And now, you know, his stock may have fallen a little bit. So, well, I think he would get signed or drafted for sure. Based on just on the potential, like somebody would, and if he was undrafted, he'd get money, you know, not like some of these guys, when you get undrafted, they, you get like a thousand dollar signing bonus. Like he would get a legit signing bonus, but um, it's just, it's just hard to invest a ton of draft capital in somebody who hasn't played football. I mean, he just, you know, I mean, if, if he doesn't play this year or the last three years, he will have played a total of three games. So hopefully that doesn't happen. And hopefully at some point we get to see him in a Nebraska uniform. Because you talk about health at certain positions, tight end is another big one too. I mean, Nebraska struggled with tight end health over the past couple of years, and again, one unfortunate injury, but suddenly your depth is thin. So we'll see. I just hope everybody stays healthy these next couple of days, and uh, I hope, I really hope the wide receiver position can get a little healthier too. Because 
it's kind of looking bleak at the position right now. I mean, it will, the one good thing is it'll be good for these young guys to get more reps. So, um, and they've got the talent. I mean, Malachi Coleman and Jaden Doss have the talent to contribute right away. It's just getting, you know, getting all that stuff down. And the thing too, you know, with Malachi Coleman is he didn't enroll early. So that's, you know, that's another thing where he, you know, he's just, he's literally, you know, a couple, a couple weeks into, you know, I know they do some, some summer stuff or whatever, but you know, like these are his first practices and that makes it even more difficult. You know, if he had been here in the spring, he'd be more ready to contribute, you know, right now. That's just, that's for any freshman, any, yeah. any freshman that it, you know, can enroll early, that's going to just give you that much of a leg up on everybody else. Cause it is, a, whether you're playing the highest, you know, if you're playing Texas six, a football, like it's still a jump to, you know, college football. So, um, but I mean, it, at least those guys will get the reps is what I was going to, yeah. my main point. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I'm just expecting a very conservative game plan against Minnesota to open things up. That's my opinion. I mean, yeah, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a lot of, I mean, I think they're going to take their shots and they're going to, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't mean it like, I just, I guess I mean in conservative. I just think it's Nebraska is going to probably be more like 50, 50, over 50% run to start the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, because there's the injury factor. There's all, there's also the new factor of this is everybody's first game together. And, you know, you can say whatever you want about this, or fans can say whatever you want about this, but you don't want to show all your cards in week one and give teams film, or film to look off of and say, oh, they do this and X, Y, Z and yada, yada, yada. I mean... You want to keep some things close to the vest, especially, you know, as Big Ten play continues. So, I mean, there is that as well. There's a bunch of factors, but I expect, you know, a maybe not even a conservative game plan against Minnesota, but a smaller playbook against Minnesota. And just I think, you know, from what Matt Rules said, you know, they're just they're good. They're going to run the ball. And that's probably you know, what we were talking about earlier, they have a lot of depth at running back. That's where, you know, if you were ranking positions on offense, you know, um, tight end would probably be up there if you have a Reed Gilbert. I mean, I think quarterback just based off Jeff Sims, you know, but like receiver and offensive line would probably be down there lower on the list. So, I mean, the offensive line, it just, until we see it, you know, it's just, you can't, you can't, it's hard to judge it. You know, it's easy to say, Oh, maybe they struggled on Saturday, but we just didn't watch it. Um, and we don't know, like, if Nordine Newelli was out there. Like, he's – some people think he's Nebraska's best offensive lineman. So, I mean, having him back is really important. Yeah. And Scott, all those guys. And uh, we'll see. I mean, I am – I do wish that, you know, Teddy Prohoshka could play. But I also saw that he was, like, trending towards seven feet in one of Steve Sipple's uh, columns the other day. So, it's like, man, has anybody ever played, like, pro or college football at seven feet tall? I honestly – I just honestly don't know. Probably, but not often. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you know a player I would build in Madden or something like that's maybe, crazy. That's maybe crazy. maybe Fred Hoiberg should hit him up and see if he, well, see if he can get some rebounds. I don't know who who was it that played uh, when Nebraska was down a couple men uh, in the 2020 Big Ten tournament. There were a couple football players. Oh yeah, I can't I can't remember. I'm gonna who look it up right but, now, uh, but I mean, maybe he could play. I mean, Julius we, Julius Peppers played uh, football and basketball at North Carolina, and it's he usually was a freak athlete. And so did actually Draymond Green did too at Michigan State a little bit. But it's usually the guys that are like power forwards that play tight end type deal, you know. Yeah, Julius but, Peppers was an absolute monster. 
Seven, it just got me seven feet tall. Is uh, so. I mean, I hope that Teddy can get healthy. I do think he's probably the best. I mean, he's probably got such long arms that even the edge rushers, he can just kind of you know keep him away from. That's the hope. Um, no withdrawal and Brand Banks. Oh yeah, Brand Banks. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Wow, those are those are some names. Yeah, which he which he entered the transfer portal this year, Brand Banks. So and Noah's at uh, Rutgers now, right? Or yeah. Yep. Because okay, we played so, it last year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be a really interesting uh, you know upcoming season. But yeah, I'm excited to see what the offensive line looks like. And if you, that's probably the you're right. It's probably the biggest question mark facing you know the entire team is the offensive line. And you know if those guys can have a good year, then this offense is probably going to have a good year, and this team's going to have a good year. So not to oversimplify it, but that's kind of how it works. There's a family practice a closed family practice uh this saturday so i'm curious to see what comes out of that and then you know after the practice it's getting closer to game time so um you know i think now just make sure everybody continues to stay healthy no more big news i don't want to write about any big news this week i mean we've already had way too much big news but uh you know, just for injury purposes, my excitement, you know, and the curiosity of all Nebraska fans, the season needs to get here right now. <laughs> the season needs to get here quick because this offseason is becoming very long. Yeah, we've got, uh, what, 15 days or something, 16 days. We're getting close. So we're getting close to that first game against Minnesota. 17. Um, 17, yeah. So. 16 more days we have to live through and then that 17th day will be game day so uh, we're getting we're getting closer and uh, as we lead up to this season you guys make sure you know to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our videos check out huskerbigred.com we have articles there every single day about the corn huskers and you know covering football recruiting basketball you know we'll have some stuff on volleyball too coming up this season i know that's a uh, going to be an exciting time as the huskers try to you know get back and, and win a national championship i believe that the uh, final fours in Omaha this year. So uh, should be a good opportunity for the Huskers to have a chance. I could be wrong on that, but uh, and they got the match in Memorial the day before the football game. That's coming up soon. And a really talented uh, recruiting class, my probably the best recruiting class in the country for volleyball. So a lot of reasons to be excited about that program. And uh, so make sure you guys are uh, following us here. Check out huskerbigred.com. And as always go big red, go big red.